0: Well, that's worthy of an amen. Jesus said, I will lose nothing. I will lose nothing. That's why we can sing that last, uh, that last verse. Turn with me once again this morning to 1 Peter. And uh, we're blessed to have the Apostle of Jesus Christ instruct us, and that's what we have in our New Testament letters. You know, if you don't like what Peter says, you need to take it up with the Lord. <laughs> that's really the case. That's really true. Uh, Jesus did give these men that, that level of authority. And we're in 1 Peter chapter 3 today. We're transitioning into chapter 3 and in 1st peter chapter 2 verse 12 peter gave this general exhortation and what we have is we got this general theme up here in 1st peter chapter 2 verse 12 and he's working that out all the way into chapter 3 but in 2:12 he says this having our conduct honorable among the gentiles he means believers having our conduct honorable among unbelievers That when they speak against us as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And then he begins, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And he launches into this long section about how we respond to authority. And he's concerned that believers are on display amongst these unbelievers. And that's his concern, his overarching concern in this whole section of the letter. So first he addressed our submission to the civil authorities, whether to kings as supreme or to governors or to those sent by him there in verses 13 and 14. Then he addressed the master-slave relationship. He went from the civil authorities to the master-slave relationship. And that led us to a digression into that wonderful passage that Jesus has called us to unjustly suffer. And one of the biggest displays of believers imaging Jesus is when they unjustly suffer So, what Peter's telling us, Jesus is calling us as believers to unjustly suffer and be on display to an unbelieving world. That's how they come to know what Jesus is like. How are they going to know what Jesus is like unless they see it in you and me? They're they're not. (laughs) And that that's his argument in this. We are to what he's our example, we are to follow in his footsteps. And we are to follow in His footsteps of unjustly suffering. And so uh, that was triggered because submit even to unreasonable masters. And we had this wonderful exposition of Jesus' behavior under unjust authority and suffering. And that is to be our example. And in that section, of course... is is we saw how Jesus' suffering leads to our salvation. That's where we ended up, where Peter ended up. Himself, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's how chapter 2 ends. Now, Peter's third concrete example here of how to live honorably in the front of unbelievers, his third example is chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 is a wife's submission to their husbands. That's his third example. Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So that'll be our focus today. Um, we'll be here more than one message, but let's begin by considering some background things here. Let's, considering uh, the situation that our early sisters in Christ faced. Okay. So we're, we're backing up now to about, you know, 40, 50, 60 AD and, and what our sisters in Christ were facing back then. And that will make it a little easier for us to obey when we realize what they were facing. So just as submission to governing authorities and earthly masters was much more difficult for those early Christians than for us, so too submission to unbelieving husbands was far more difficult then than it is for us. Not that it isn't difficult for us. For reasons not explained here, I think the percentage of unequally yoked families during those early decades of the church was much higher than it is today. Okay? How are these Christian women married to Greek and Roman pagans, how are they going to behave? Well, how's that going to play out? Peter is very concerned about that. And he wants to encourage those sisters that find themselves in that situation. And, of course, that works down unto this day and even in our congregation here. In Greco-Roman society, it was expected that the wife would have no friends of her own other than those that her husband had. And that the wife would worship the gods of her husband. That was just expected. The wife worships the gods of her husband. That a woman would adopt any religion other than her husband's violated the Greco-Roman ideal of an orderly family. That just isn't the way women were to behave. They are to adopt the gods of their husband. Christians were frequently blamed as a cause of public calamity because they introduced a new God, upsetting the religious status quo of the empire. An unbelieving husband and society would perceive the wife's worship of Jesus Christ as rebellion especially if she worshipped Christ exclusively. And now we know, of course, Jesus is Lord and there is no other. So that's exactly the situation these early sisters are in. They worship Jesus Christ exclusively as the one true God. Now, if they were polytheists, they wouldn't get into trouble. You know, what's adding one more God to the Roman pantheon, right? Just put one more in there. You, you could be okay doing that. But to say he, that Jesus is what? The Lord of lords. <laughs> that will never do in the early centuries. And that's the situation these sisters are in that have unbelieving husbands. So, if the wife persisted in her new religion to the extent that others outside of the household learned of it, the husband would also feel embarrassed and suffer criticism for not properly managing his household. This could easily damage his social standing, even to the point of disqualifying him for certain honors and offices. I haven't had to walk that road. Now, a number of you here this morning have been married to an unbelieving spouse, still are, and some of you have, that was for a season, and have experienced these various matters somewhat differently perhaps, but similar. Peter addresses your situation in verse 2, and we'll do that down the road in some more detail. Now, it's significant that 21st century USA culture is not, in these regards, like 1st century Greco-Roman society. And Greco-Roman society believed that women were to be submissive to their husbands. Absolutely. So, we're not the same. I mean, our, our culture... Uh, women who follow Christ by following his command to be submissive to their own husbands are ridiculed and and told that they are in a degrading relationship, so this is very different. You see in that greco Roman society, they said no, oh, the wife's supposed to be submissive to her husband, and that's the way she would be honored or praised that's that's a good wife. That's Greco-Roman household codes. But we're not like that at all. Ladies, nowadays, when you demonstrate a submissiveness to the Lord Jesus, which spills over into a submissiveness, submissiveness to your husbands, you're ridiculed. You're ridiculed. I think Christian women are probably the most ridiculed amongst us as Christians in our culture. Made fun of thought of as weak. That's that's where we are as believing uh, men and women that bow to Christ's lordship, of course. So, a relationship where a woman is submissive to her husband's headship is likened to a form of slavery. And men who consider themselves head over their wives are villains. And I would estimate at least 50% of the American populace think like this. I think so, probably 50%. As we begin, let's look at the text here together this morning in some detail. And I want to make two observations and one application. Here's the text, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they will be one without a word. Now, we must admit that although Peter surely has all wives in view, his first concern is the evangelistic mission of the church. The purpose of the wives... Submission is what? That even if some do not believe or obey the word. That's his first purpose here. That's that's the thing that's pressing on his mind. This whole situation of these believing women professing that Jesus is Lord and how they conduct themselves in an unbelieving household. That is his first concern. And, of course, he's concerned about all women being submissive. But we can't miss that that situation here in, in the early church, what they're concerned about. This is not a secondary matter in the text. And, of course... It's not a secondary matter in the text. And of course it fits with Peter's concern running through this whole section. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, among unbelievers. That when they speak of you as evildoers, that we're not going to give them... The ability to speak of the church as evildoers because the women in this church are rebellious against their husbands or unbelieving husbands. That's what Peter is saying. We as a church must not give them that excuse to talk down and bad against our God. That's the context. He's concerned, very concerned about that. Peter sees the church manifest in Christ breaking into the pagan culture. In that regard, we're in the same situation. (laughs) You know, this isn't leave it to beavers America anymore. In that regard, breaking into the pagan culture, we're exactly like that. I mean, some of the things are different. But the church breaking into the pagan culture, we're back, we're back, we're there. And uh, it's very important how they perceive us uh, based on how we follow Christ's commands. We are on display, or at least we should be, a city on the hill. We should, we shouldn't, we should not withdraw from being visibly present in the culture. You know, the church has done that at times, and that's not good. We should not withdraw from the church being visibly present in the pagan culture. They didn't have options like that. Okay. No, they didn't. So, interestingly, Peter and Paul show the same concern. Somewhat. Peter here and Paul, and I won't turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 14... Paul shows that concern regarding unequally yoked households where one spouse is a believer and the other is an unbeliever. He specifically gets engaged in that issue there in Corinth. And then, of course, Paul's passage in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, the whole issue of the head covering and, and the symbol of authority, or however you understand that, at a higher level, that's the same issue. Are women under proper authority or not? So, I mean, we may not end up in the same place on the specifics. Is your hair the covering or is a covering the covering? But you just go up one level further and we can all agree regarding that passage. That passage is about these issues. A wife's behavior in the home and a wife's being under the head, her husband's authority. And of course, in the Greco-Roman place, they really believed that was the right way for a household to be. You know, they, they got that right, okay? <laughs> they, 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 they still had that right. So, that was my first observation. The second observation is a little more complicated. And it's here. It's in that second word, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Likewise, or in the same way. What what is he referring to? Compared to what? Wives likewise. Compared to what? What's he talking about? Now, we might at first think, compared to the two submissions of authority that went before. Right? The civil government, and masters and slaves, and wives submissive to your husbands. With that likewise. Likewise. But, that works until we get to verse 7. Look at verse 7 in 1 Peter 3. When we get to verse 7, we get the likewise, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. And verse 7 has nothing with submitting to authority. You see what I'm saying? Verse 7 has nothing with submitting to authority. So the likewise isn't this matter of just submitting to authority. The same likewise applies to all of those situations, including husbands, dwell with your wife with understanding. So what's going on here? There is a likewise that is at a higher level in Peter's thinking. There's some higher principle which applies to all these situations, including the husband's proper treatment of his wife. Got it? There's a likewise that applies to the husband, this likewise applies to the husband's proper treatment of his wife, as well as submitting to the civil authorities, as well as as a master-slave thing. So, there's three candidates as to, as to what the likewise, likewise is pointing to. There, chapter 2, verse 18, it could be where servants be submissive to your master's what? With all fear. That could be the likewise. And when we studied that passage, we said it could mean with all fear of God. With all fear of God, submit to that authority. Or, with all respect, submit to that authority with all respect. If we, if we go that way on the exegesis of that verse. With all respect. So this would mean a wife's submission flows from either the fear of God or from a deep respect of her husband. And a husband's dwelling with understanding flows from fearing God or respecting his wife. That's different, isn't it? That is different. Verse 17, we had what? Honor all people, fear God in verse 17. This would mean a wife's submission flows from the general command to honor all people, including her husband. And a husband dwelling with understanding with his wife flows from the general command, honor all people, including his wife. And verse 7 directs husbands specifically to what? give honor to the wife so that could be the likewise honor all people and that spills over to whether you're a husband or a wife you are to honor each other verse 13 if we I, you know I'm going I'm going up backwards through chapter 2 I'm backing up verse 13 i wonder if likewise goes back to verse 13 Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Listen now, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. That would mean that both husband and wife are submitting to their roles for the Lord's sake. Why? Why should the husband dwell with his wife in an understanding way? For the Lord's sake? Why should the wife be submissive to her husband? For the Lord's sake. Okay? So, Peter may have in mind one of these, or he may have in mind a combination of these for his likewise. What's important is that the likewise describes a submission to one's husband and the dwelling with one's wife with understanding. It describes what those things should look like. What that submission should look like. What that giving honor to the wife should look like. The likewise is this higher level principle of what those things should look like. See, being submissive is not just a string of individual acts of submission. Rather, it flows from an attitude and an awareness of something higher. I am to respect my husband and I have a deep respect for him. Therefore, I will willingly submit to him. And I view my submission to my husband as an expression of respect or fear, if we want to use that word. Being submissive, I'm going to repeat this, being submissive is not just a string of individual acts of submission. Rather, it flows from an attitude and an awareness. I'm to respect my husband, and I have a deep respect for him, Therefore, I willingly submit to him. Or, the Lord has called me to be submissive, therefore, for the Lord's sake. He's called me to be submissive for the Lord's sake. This this is not just about me and my husband. Right? For the Lord's sake. So this is not just about me and my wife. It's for the Lord's sake. We're on a whole other level here in our attitude and our thinking. Why ought you be a submissive wife? For the Lord's sake. Why ought you be a loving, wife-honoring husband? For the Lord's sake. That's, that's very different. That's the likewise emphasis. See, it transcends those individual things. You see, I will, for the Lord's sake, I will follow His leadership. The wife says, for the Lord's sake, I will follow my husband's leadership. Following His leadership is following Christ. Is that true? It is true. Christ calls wives to be submissive to their husbands. Being submissive to their husbands is following Christ. Respecting their husbands is following and respecting Christ. Now, men, does that not put the fear into you? Christ commands your wife to be submissive and follow your leadership. And when she's doing that, she's following Christ. I don't know about you, but. <laughs> that used to put the fear <laughs> in me when i was a husband but that's what's going on here men your wife following you is following christ because he commands her to follow you you're the head he commands him to be the head. He commands you to be the head. And he commands her to follow you. And when she follows you, whether you're doing good or lousy as the head, she's following Christ. You, you, need, you need to, men, you need to think through your position and your wife's position before the Lord in this whole thing. that's right and that's where the likewise gets us you see likewise gets us up to those commands that Christ commands all of us to be doing so that that is a, a a fearful thing so here my point ladies here's my point wives likewise be submissive, that begins by getting the likewise right and nurturing it and maintaining it. Okay? And I'll say the same thing with the husbands when we get down to verse 7. It begins with a likewise also. Get those things right. Nurture them. Maintain them. And that will affect you following Christ and becoming a submissive wife and a caring, considerate husband. See, the likewises are the same. Unto the Lord. Maintain it with all respect, all, with all fear of God. For the Lord's sake, <laughs> honor all people those are the four suggested likewise that I that I pulled out of the context those four your submission is to be a concrete expression of those fundamental traits of godliness fearing God respecting the expression of God's delegated authority and for the Lord's sake who has left you the legacy of his example, and honoring, honoring all men, and that includes honoring your husband, and husbands, that includes honoring your wife, which we're going to run into in verse 7. Work on these. Apply them to your relationship with your husband. And see if that doesn't improve your following the Lord and the leadership of your husband. Yeah. There's so much more that, that to say that, that I haven't said here this morning, but I'm going I'm to stop there. And what we're doing, it, this is the Word of God. And the Word of God reflects the mind of God. It just does. There's a one-to-one, con- that's what language is. Language communicates what is in one mind to another. And the reason we have to, we have to get our minds into the text. We have to think the thoughts of the text. And when we do that, wonderful things happen. It connects us with the very mind of God on these very difficult subjects, but it does. Okay? And God is so good. He will never ask you to do anything that isn't good for you to do. Never. He has never asked anyone to do something or commanded anyone to do something that isn't ultimately good for them. And our problem is, is we don't trust Him enough and we don't realize that He loves us. And none of His his commands are, are a loving expression of Him toward you and me. You get that? Just like you parents love those children and you give them things to do. You command them. You love them. God does far better at all of this than we do. And it's unbelief that is at work in the minds of professed Christians in our culture about these things. And underneath that unbelief is an unbelief in the authority of Scripture as the very mind of the loving God who has created us in the first place. That's right. Think about it. Let's pray. Oh, our Father... How many times have we taken the devil's bait? Has God commanded that you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Oh Lord, we have taken that bait so many times. Father, forgive us. And after you've displayed your love to us, your people, In sending your Son and on the cross. Lord, if we were you, we would be furious. (laughs) But you're patient. Lord, help us. Understand these things correctly by your Holy Spirit. And help our hearts and minds run the way of your commandments. For you will enlarge our hearts. Oh, Lord, help us believe that. You mean no harm to us. And as we run the way of your commandments, Lord, you've promised that you will enlarge our hearts. Thank you. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.